today I've, I've been having a message stirring in my heart for weeks now, and a picture, a picture. And the question is, when, when our prayers seem unanswered, I mean, how do we look at that? And the picture is right here in Exodus 30 that's been kind of integrating the answer to that question for me. And it's, it's a picture in the Old Testament in the tabernacle as Moses led the people of God through the wilderness. It's actually a part of the tabernacle that Pastor Josh referred to last Sunday, the incense altar. It was right close to the Holy of Holies, to the presence of God. And it says in Exodus 30, verse 7, Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. And he must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight so that incense will burn regularly before the Lord for the generations to come. So the high priest, morning and night, upon the coals of that altar, would be the burning incense, the fragrance that would ascend to God morning and night. It's obviously a picture of our worship, but in the New Testament, in the New Testament, that picture of incense takes on very specific meaning. We go all the way to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and just before the countdown to the ending events of human history and Jesus returning again, we discover that our prayers, it's our prayers that right now are the incense of heaven and of God's throne room. It's our prayers. Because in this worship scene in Revelation chapter 5, we see Jesus. Now, he's going to be pictured as a lamb here uh, because he would be the lamb of sacrifice. He would die on the cross, but he's clearly alive, as if slain, but he's standing, we're going to see. So this is everything we're going to be celebrating in the next couple of weeks. And, it's, and, and, and John writes in Revelation 5, verse 6, Then I saw a lamb, that's Jesus, looking as if he had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. He was encircled by the four living creatures and the elders, all these that populated heaven, representing creation and God's people. Verse 7, And he went, and the lamb took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So, so our Heavenly Father was sitting on the throne in Jesus, the Son, and here pictured as the Lamb who would give up his life so that we could have life and we could be forgiven. He comes and takes the scroll. That scroll will have seven seals on it. Turns out the breaking of those seven seals would be Jesus superintending the countdown of the end of human history till the moment he comes again. And verse 8 says, And when he, the Lamb had taken that scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And each one had a harp, speaking of the music and worship of heaven. But they were also holding golden bowls full of incense, which are what? The prayers of God's people. So in this incredible worship scene of heaven, the drama of this moment as the Lamb takes the scroll about to break the seven seals that will bring an end to human history as we know it and the rule and reign of Christ. He will be Lord someday of all and evil will be done away with. Just before that, we see this worship scene. No one can stand on their feet. 
in, in, in the face of the glory of the Lamb and, and what he's about to do. And they were holding golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. This is the incense of God's throne room. Now what happens in the next chapter, chapter 6 of Revelation, is that Jesus starts opening those seals. And the first four go rather rapidly, and they are the famous four horsemen of the apocalypse. We're in very symbolic imagery. We see a white horse and a red horse and a black horse and a pale horse in that order. And they represent war, they represent bloodshed. I believe it's the third horse that represents inflation, even hyperinflation and economic turmoil. The, the pale horse represents pandemics, like we've just been through a global pandemic, and famine, like in parts of the world today, and, and natural disasters. This is like creation is going through labor pains. It's like, it's like the human order is disintegrating. Peace seems impossible. Insanity is taking place, just like what we're witnessing in Ukraine today. And these things Jesus talked about, they said they're the reminders that the end is coming soon. Now notice the prayers of heaven, don't stop this warfare. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been saying, Jesus, we've been praying for Ukraine for a whole month now, and it's just getting worse. Like, where, where is the answer? But there's a part of a larger plan that does not negate the need for our prayers like incense to fill the throne room of God. And then, on top of it, those are the first four seals. Revelation 6 and verse 9 says, When Jesus opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they'd maintained. So from those four horsemen galloping the earth, now we go to the heavenly altar, back to heaven, and we see people like people today in Mali and Niger and Burkina Faso and West Africa that we prayed for a few minutes ago that are giving up their lives for Christ. It's the martyrs. And they are praying in their own way, and they're crying out, verse 10, they called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord? holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. And this is like what prayer is. I, I view prayer foundationally as obviously communication with God, but prayer is a yearning. Prayer is a longing for the intervention of Jesus. Prayer is kind of at its nature, Lord, how much longer do we need to wait till you step in? As our prayer partners prayed for people at the front today, in essence, they were yearning for God to step in, Jesus, step in. Where there's sickness, bring healing. Where, where, where there's the absence of your influence, bring your influence. Yearning, and these saints are just yearning and saying, God, how long before you do something to avenge our blood? I thought you were just, how long? And God's answer isn't always the satisfying one. But God's answer in verse 11, to this form of prayer in heaven then each of them was given a white robe. So he gave them a right, right robe, speaking of Jesus' righteousness that can clothe us. And they were told to wait a little longer. <laughs> sometimes the answers are yes, sometimes the answers are no, and sometimes the answers are not yet. He said, just wait a little longer until the full number, and this is hard to understand, but until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been killed. There's something in the divine plan of God. It means that there has to be a conflict in our world that still needs to be worked out. And more, 
people will have to lose their lives standing for Jesus. And you say, but I thought God answers prayer for protection. And I thought, I thought Jesus loves us. And, and, and in terms of John writing this, he sees, because of his perspective, no contradiction at all. But Jesus just says to them, just wait a little longer. But what I want you to realize this morning, as the story continues to unfold before the day Jesus comes again, that our prayers are never wasted. Listen, your prayers are never wasted. In fact, in chapter 8 now, we get to the seventh seal. Chapter 8 of Revelation, verse 1. And when Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. In my theater teaching daughter, we'd call this your classic dramatic pause because the climax of the story is about to come. In verse 3, another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at this heavenly altar and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all of God's people. On the golden altar in front of the throne and the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of God's people went up before God from the angel's hand. And then the angel took the censer. Here's the dramatic moment. Here's the culmination of it all. Here's why your prayers are never wasted. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake and the true beginning of the real end begins. It's like the accumulated prayers of the global church of 2,000 years of church history. It's like if I may use a metaphor from physics if you'll indulge me. It was like the prayers of the global church of Jesus Christ hit critical mass in the throne room of God. And a spiritual reaction took place. It's like God took all our prayers and hurled them back into the earth and said, I heard every one of them, every yearning. Right now there's probably a mom on the west coast just, just crying out to God and saying, Jesus, I love you, but my daughter, she's walked away from you. And there's probably a dad somewhere on the, uh, on the other coast who's, who, who's wondering about his job and he's, he's just yearning and saying, Jesus, I, I just need your help and I need your wisdom. And these yearnings, these accumulated yearnings. Right now in West Africa, there's churches yearning for God. Today in Ukraine, churches have been meeting and the and the incense of praise. God, how long before this all ends and it all comes and, 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 and there's still cataclysm and there's still disaster but there's a greater plan that's happening and there's coming a day. This God who says to us in the Psalms that I keep track of every one of your tears in my bottle. That there's not a yearning. There's not a cry to me. There's not a longing for my intervention that goes wasted. But my throne room is being filled with the incense of the prayers of my people. And it will fuel in the end the final works of God. It will be there. Now, there are some reasons for unanswered prayer 
beyond just God's timing, which we'll come back to in a minute. There are, there are some reasons that aren't good reasons for answer prayer, and I thought maybe we'd just take a quick time out, and I'm very quickly going to look at them. First of all, the Bible teaches us if there's unconfessed sin in our lives, it, it'll block God from hearing our prayers. This is not that you, you, have, you have never had any sin, but this would be unconfessed sin. This would be sin you're holding out. I know there's sin in my life, but who cares? I'm going to try to have God and sin both. And unconfessed sin. Look what he says in Isaiah 59. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And always when I come to the place of prayer, repentance is a regular part of my life. God, if there's any unconfessed sin, I want to come clean in any area. And I want to take to myself the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross who died for my sins so I can have your favor, not your judgment. I can be forgiven and I can be made new. And then there's lack of faith. It says Jesus returned to Nazareth in Matthew chapter 13. And, and she, he had grown up there. Now he's just over 30 years old. And things have really changed. And he doesn't fit that little box that all his friends and family members had him from knowing him for 30 years in his hometown. He now goes with the anointing of the Holy Spirit in his public ministry. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's preaching the kingdom. The rule of God is at hand now. And they come. And tragically, in verse 58, Luke, uh, Matthew has to say, he did not do many miracles there in Nazareth, in his hometown, because of their lack of faith. And for other, some of us who have been around this for a while, sometimes... Sometimes accumulated unanswered prayer can, for whatever reason, can, can begin to erode our faith. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, verse 6, says, without faith it's impossible to please God. And then he defines faith for us. You believe he's there. Sometimes unanswered prayer can make you question, is God even there? But you, you just stand the grounds of a God who's there. And then here's what's true about his character. Because faith foundationally is confidence in his existence and his character. He is the God. You must believe that he is, it says, and believe that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That he is responsive to us. We don't serve an indifferent God or an evil God. We serve a God whose hearts move with our heart movements and our longings. And, And so he's there. And yet, sometimes we can, especially in our Western world, we're not as well as maybe the spir- aware of the spiritual realms. We're pretty analytic, pretty naturalistic. Sometimes our faith is low for what other parts of the world are seeing by the power of God, a miraculous power. And so sometimes our lack of faith enters it, and sometimes selfish motives come into it. Sometimes, like James writes in James 4, verse 3, when you ask, you, you don't receive, your prayers aren't answered. Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Look, you, you don't treat God like some casually, some sugar daddy. Like the person who said to me, I'm not even interested in serving or loving a God who doesn't give me what I want. And bless me. And so, we've got to be careful of these things. Now, now, the next one or two, the next one or two I mentioned will come into a different category. But these three... Uh, we meet them with repentance, first of all. We meet them with repentance. God, forgive. Lord, if I'm holding on to, to deliberately to sin in my life in rebellion against you, Lord, Lord, like the guy who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. 
God, forgive my unbelief, just help me here. Thank God, faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Selfish motive, God, forgive me for just being more interested in me than a world that needs you. You know, we meet these with, with repentance. And may I just quickly add, we don't abuse each other with these things. I had a lady talk to me a few weeks ago and told me a very painful experience of being in a hospital bed, really sick for some time. I think it was cancer. And a well-meaning Christian friend came to her bedside and tried to tell her that it was all her fault, that she must have unconfessed sin in her life. And she's trying to force her to walk through her entire life and confess every possible sin she could. Or, or sometimes people walk by a hospital bed and say, you, you know, if you had faith, you'd be healed. Well, the problem is that in the Bible, sometimes people without much faith got healed. It was because of the faith of the people praying for them. So if they're not healed, you're pointing back at yourself. You know, what about your faith? So you got to be really careful. You don't do that stuff to people, especially when they're down and hurting. And yet, we as individuals, we, we need to deal with some of these things. But, but it's this fourth one, I think, is the big one, the fourth and fifth one. The fourth one's spiritual warfare. We are involved in a spiritual battle right now, and things are messy, and things are partial, and things are incomplete right now. Like, like, like Daniel. Daniel was a man of God. He had a great prayer life. But he, but he set himself to praying one day in Daniel chapter 10, over big national things, huge things involving nations. And he was one who, who knew God to really respond to him. But he went 21 days, and there was no evidence that God answered his prayer. Except finally a messenger comes from God and says to him in verse 12, since the first day that you set your mind to humble yourself, your words were heard, and I've come into response to them. But the prince of Persia, the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. That would not be a human prince. Persia was an idol-worshipping um, nation which would open them up to extensive demonism and horrendous things. And, and they were in the spiritual realms controlling demonic powers over that nation that that nation had opened themselves to. And they said, Daniel, I, I heard you from the first day. And, and, and that phrase, is that picture of incense rising to the throne room of God. And that phrase... I heard you, your words were heard from the first day that keep ringing in my spirit these past weeks. God does hear. I can imagine Daniel, it's day 17, and his prayers aren't being answered. I can imagine him starting to say, well, I wonder if I'm just losing my touch here. Maybe, maybe, maybe I don't have the faith I used to have. Day 19, still no answer. Well, maybe there is no God. It's amazing how unanswered prayer can lie to us. And yet, we don't know what's happening in the spiritual realm. And, if I, and it took today 21 before there could even be a breakthrough for a message to come to him because we are all in a spiritual battle and your prayers are heard from the first day. When you pray them with a, with a heart clean by the blood of Jesus and, and, and out of a genuine yearning for him, your, your prayers are heard the first day, but your prayers also trigger spiritual battles in the heavenly realms. 
And those spiritual battles tell people, involve people who have free wills and, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who believe not. And, and, and they're just struggles and things just don't happen instantaneously for us. He's not a Santa Claus. He's not a genie in the body. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the creator. But the battle isn't done. And that's why Jesus, when he came to the world, his first sermon was this. When he started his public preaching at 30 years old, his first sermon was this. The kingdom or the rule of God is at hand. It's at hand. It's starting to break in. So you repent, which means you renounce the powers of this present age, and you believe, you receive the rule of God into your life. It's like, it's like if, this, if this, my left arm was this present age. It was a timeline up to right now at the tip of my fingers. And, and, and this, this other arm is the age to come, the present age ruled by darkness. The age to come is where truly Jesus will be Lord of all. And the de demonic powers will be fully broken. And Jesus said that era, the age to come, is starting to break in on this present age. It's, it's coming. That, that, that began when he died on the cross. And, and, and it'll complete when he comes again. In the middle, theologians say we're in the already but not yet, whatever that means. It means that, that the kingdom of God is already breaking in on the powers of the age. But it hasn't come in fullness because the powers of this present age are still fighting it. That means a lot of things happen to us that don't make sense. That means we're just in a broken world. That, that means we don't know how long it'll take for some of our prayers to be answered. That means that, that, that there are things we don't totally understand because we're, we're part of the, the powers of this present age. I was thinking when we grew up in Southern California, um, our girls grew up there. We lived there 12 years. Probably eight to 10 times a year, we'd have earthquakes. And sometimes you just feel everything shake under you. It wouldn't be that dramatic. You'd get used to them. Other times it would be a little dramatic. You'd feel this jolt under you and you'd feel everything shaking in your house. Once in a while a picture would fall off the walls. And we were always praying, that this is not the big one in the name of Jesus, please. And, but you know what? And I noticed that our, our, some of our neighbors weren't Christians. Some were, some weren't. But I noticed all of our, our houses, Christian or not, got shaken why? Because we're in a broken world where the shakings are going to even grow in every way before Jesus comes, where evil's going to assert itself in a final way and show its hand for what it is. Jesus is just giving time for that, but then Jesus will enter in and show himself mighty and great. And I just noticed, I prayed for protection on our family, our life, our house all the time. I prayed for protection all the time for that. I think I'm here today alive because God's answered a couple, three times, prayers for protection. Where I've been in very dangerous situations throughout my life. And I believe in the sovereign protection of God. But yet the fact is, we are in a broken world. And when wrong things come, you can say, why God allow this? Well, it's because we're in the already but not yet. The Bible portrays this in-between time as a time of conflict for believers, often a time of suffering, where even the some of us will have to give up our lives for the cause of Christ. Why? It's not that God doesn't love us and not that he can't protect us, but we're in this huge spiritual battle. And what this spiritual battle does, though, is fill the throne room with the incense of our yearnings and our prayer. God, step in. God, how long? And once in a while, it is God's timing. Like he said to those martyred saints under the altar in heaven, and they were told to wait a little longer. 
And I, I don't try to figure God out. I know he doesn't cause bad things to happen because we're in a broken world. I think for some of us, we go through hard times. And um, I don't even know if there's a reason other than we're in between right now. I don't know if there's even a reason except we're in between. It's the reality of this broken world we live in, yet trying to be a part. We belong to the kingdom to come, but we're still in. We're, we're, we're still in a world dominated by the present age. And, and you know, you don't have to find, re like, God, okay, what's your reason for this tragedy in my life? I don't know. It just may be you got hit by some of the buckshot of demonic powers or our broken age or just how people can be. And, and, and you know, it's not that God doesn't love you. It's just that you live in the world right now. But your yearnings are filling heaven. And that, that balance between God's sovereignty, he knows what he's doing, the timing is in his hand in our prayer life. They come together best for me when I understand that in the end, maybe not by this afternoon, but in the end, our prayers will prevail and God will act. In the end. Let's read it one more time. Verse 4 of Revelation 8. The smoke of the incense, together with the prayers of God's people, went up before God from the angel's hand. The, the smoke of the incense, the worship, carrying up the prayers of all of God's people, the yearnings of God's global church, of churches like Central Assembly and, church, and people like you, whatever your yearnings to God may be this week for him to step in. They're all going up. And in the end, our prayers will prevail and God will act. Because then the angel took the censer. He filled it with fire from the altar. He hurled it on the earth. And there came peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes, lightnings, and earthquake. And God shook everything that could be shaken until his rule would come in and evil would be put away. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. Even if you feel the list of some of your unanswered prayers is pretty long. I want you to be encouraged. Because all your tears are stored up in his body. And he does. Some of our yearnings come out of very deep pain. Out of very deep loss. Of, of very deep compassion for other people. And what's happening in a ruinous way in their lives. And we love them and we yearn for them. And some of us experience loss. Things we can't understand. But I want to tell you... Um, Having faith in God doesn't mean that pain's not real. You have permission to face the pain. In fact, it's not healthy emotionally or spiritually to deny it, to not grieve it. And God's big enough for you to explain to him how much you hurt and how much you don't understand. If it was okay for the martyred saints under the, heaven, uh, under the altar in heaven to say, God, I mean, Jesus, I mean, how long do you do something you know, it's okay for you to say that. I do it reverently to the Lord. I don't curse him out. I, I mean, he's the holy God. Who am I to boss him around? But he does invite me to pray and to yearn for his intervention. And, and it's okay, like those saints under the altars. Oh, God, I don't get it. How long? Like, what are you doing, Lord? And, and to be real and honest about your pain. He can handle your pain. He wants to hold it in your hand. But then as you keep facing your pain... I want to encourage you to keep seeking God's presence. Keep seeking God's presence in your life. There's nothing I know like the presence of God. In fact, sometimes I think if God answered some of my questions, I'm not sure it would fix the foundational issues in my life anyway. I was born to need his presence. 
His presence gives me peace. My little brother was killed at four years, when I was four years old, he was two years old. My mom was pregnant with the first of my three sisters. I've heard her say over and over, she went to be with Jesus a year ago this past week, uh, no, almost 94. I mean, the Lord didn't answer our prayer exactly for her because we were praying she'd come through COVID and just be raised up again. But, but she did go to see Jesus where there will be no more sickness, where there will be no more pain, where there will be no more gossip and backbiting and people hurting our feelings. There just will be no more. God will answer every prayer. But until that, I remember my, my mom's, you know, she could never figure why God would take a two-year-old boy from her. But she would always say, she'd always say, God just, just gave me peace. If it wasn't for the Lord, she would say to me over and over when I was growing up, if it wasn't for the Lord, I could never have survived that ordeal. And the Lord's never told me why he took my little brother. I don't know. I'll see him in heaven someday. But on the other hand, how can we walk through anything? And we have this delusion that we can walk through pain, sexes in life without God. And, but when we have pain, you know, where is God? And how could he be so cruel to me? The fact is, even at our best, we need him. And his peace addresses something that even success doesn't address. Even having no physical problems doesn't address deep in our heart. We need his presence. So when I was in Minnesota last weekend uh, doing ministry, I, I had a conversation uh, Friday night of last weekend with a friend of mine. He's in his 20s. He's loved Jesus for all his life. He just loves God. He goes after God. He has stepped into full-time ministry. He's in his 20s. There'd be nothing that I would think make him deserve this. But for the last two years, he's been going through literally out of the blue, like hell on earth. And Sandy and I pray as recently as last night, we pray. And we've been going, God, how long before you step in and intervene? As recently as last night, we're hoping there'll be a breakthrough sometime in the next two months. But, but, but our friend in Minnesota, just this young, godly guy, out of nowhere comes tragedy like you wouldn't believe. And, and he, he, he was talking to me Friday night because I've been concerned about his soul because an answer prayer does lie to us. It does make us even doubt the existence of God. And what he said was, he said, he said, Jim, I realize that I lived a pretty sheltered life. He used this word picture. He said, I've lived in a nice house with a white picket fence. He said, God seemed to have allowed my white picket fence to be burned down. I've seen things and felt things like I've never in my life, horrible things. But he said, in the midst of it all, with my white picket fence finally burned down, he said, God has revealed himself to me like I've never seen before. I just know him in a whole new way. His presence, there's nothing like just him. Not just things working out, but just him. So I want to encourage you to also, therefore, keep standing on God's promises. We sang songs this morning in our worship. I don't know, know if you noticed, which were declaration of faith songs. Things like, by his stripes, I am healed. You, but maybe you haven't been healed. Maybe your neighbor and your friend hasn't been healed. So how, how, do you, how do you get past feeling like you're singing a lie? It's because... The end of the story isn't here yet.
But we stand on God's promise. I want to invite you to a holy stubbornness today. I mean, write God's promises on a card and tape it to your mirror, your bathroom mirror if you need. Make it pop up on your, on your home screen every day. Just keep God's promise. Just say, but God, you said. It's not, but, it's, it's not, well, what I think I happen to see from my limited perspective that God may or may not be doing right now because the fact is God is always doing more than we think he is and certainly doing more than we can see he is. And it's also not more than what I feel this week. My confidence in God is not based on what I feel. It's based on his promises. And all I know is the incense of my holy yearnings to him in my prayer is filling his temple. And there is coming a day where not one of those prayers will be wasted. And I pray it happens soon, but in some areas of my life. But I, I just know that I'm going to keep stubbornly standing on the promise. Not, here's what I feel today. You, you can be honest about that, but that's not the bottom line. The bottom line is not what I feel. The bottom line is what you have said. And the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away before one word fails from God's mouth. And because of that, let's not grow weary as a congregation, as individuals, in just lifting the incense of prayer like we did this morning in worship. Let's do it all day, prayerfulness all day, just fellowship of the Holy Spirit all day, just being aware of His presence, just lifting the incense of prayer. And then, I lastly want to say to you, once you've lifted the incense of prayer, let's Let's keep leaving the incense in the throne room. Because I, I lift those prayers to God's throne room. And then I want to grab them and bring them back and put them on my calendar book. I want to enter them into my, my, my calendar app and say, so God, I really need you to do it this way by, by this time. And you know what? God says, I do want to stay sovereign. And once incense has filled my throne room, your problems are my problems now. And you can walk away and take your hands off them. Sometimes when we really feel like we prayed through and really touched God on an issue, sometimes all we can do is just praise Him because we have this sense that it's in God's hands now. Let's leave the incense in the throne room. Don't, don't walk out of a time of prayer feeling the pressure for for navigating frustration whether God answers in the way you think he ought to answer or not. Let's just keep filling the throne room with the incense of God's people.